Well, good morning. My name is David Hinkle, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a privilege to share from God's Word with you this morning. And uh, man, as a church, we've been doing something together, which has really been great. We've been using a journal tool called the L3 Journal, which provides a reading plan that we're doing church-wide, and small groups are gathering and talking through that together. And, uh, you know, when, when a pastor comes into a church building, there's a certain expectation that God would bring people across my path that I need to encourage and that I need to speak into their life. And this morning, I, <laughs> I was on the receiving end because this is Don Westuba's L3 journal. And what you cannot see are his thoughts that are written in Braille. He's already done Acts 16 today. Verse 33 was his verse that God spoke to him. God's word is changing people's lives. And when I, when I see the devotion and the time it takes to have his thoughts put down in print... I can spend time in God's Word. Just call me to a better, better level of devotion to the Lord. I almost feel like saying, Amen. And we can just all go home. But we can't do that. So Don, I appreciate your heart for Christ. I appreciate your openness to His Word. Truly, an open Bible is an open life. And, you know, if we're honest, remaining in the Word daily can be a struggle for us. You may have missed a few days or weeks. And we want to be in this journey together. And so uh, over the course of the year, there's going to be some weekends where the teaching is derived from where you're at in the journal. So today is Acts 16. And if you have not yet done the journal, this doesn't count. Okay? So you still need to be... In God's word for yourself today. I think about all the distractions that happen in my own life and, and uh, in your life that, that move us away from connecting with God and his word. And, and sometimes it's, it's things that are, that are uh, small distractions such as being tired. And if your time is usually in the morning and you just feel tired and, and you just kind of say to yourself, I just, I just don't feel like it. Other times... The emotional swing is significant where uh, you have um, major distractions in your life and you're, and you're left wrestling with, with bigger questions of does God even hear your prayer? And you question, well, what, what does God's word truly have for me? Because God doesn't feel close. We go through seasons like that, and I'm so thankful to spend time in the Psalms. When we did that as a church, and we read that in the L3 Journal, those opening Psalms, David was so honest, King David was so honest with us about uh, struggles. His life was under constant threat, even from within his own family. And we have there in those opening Psalms that we read together, his honest dealings with how he felt. And he dealt with it so much that in a, in a leaders meeting we had for small group leaders this week, um, 
someone expressed, man, I'm glad we're out of Psalms. David was so depressed. (laughs) And I look at that and I just go, man, uh, I appreciate how uh, honest David was with where he was at. But there was something within him that even in spite of in those Psalms where he would even question if God hears him, that he would question if God even saw his circumstances, there would be a statement of faith that God remains his refuge, that God remains his source of hope, even though at the same time in his heart, he was consumed by other things. We are just like him. We are just like that. We have the same problem that David faced, that we get carried away by our emotions. This is our problem. We wrestle with a broken heart every day of our lives. And different things affect the way that we feel. And we can get swept up by our emotions. We can feel like Kansas wheat being blown across the fields. It's just how we feel about life. We feel one way. We feel another way. We feel this way. We feel that way. And somehow in that, we're supposed to keep a steady course. And how do we do it? Well, today, we're going to look at what God was doing in Acts 16 because God is truly our help. This problem that we have, if we get carried away by our emotions, God has a solution that meets us in our brokenness. And this is it. I'm going to give it to you up front. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. This needs some explanation as uh, we talk about the Holy Spirit. And so I want to spend some time just sharing with you what, what some beliefs are about the Holy Spirit. Because if we're going to understand how He works in our life, we need to understand who He is. And first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit He is equal as God, yet distinct in His person and His function. The Holy Spirit is referred to by a personal pronoun. He, not it. The Holy Spirit is not some cosmic energy field that surrounds us and binds us and connects us with all living things, as Yoda might say. The Holy Spirit is a real Spirit person who is our God. A great summary is found by a guy named Greg Herrick in a, in a work called An Introduction to Christian Belief. This is what he says The Holy Spirit is distinguished from, yet closely related to, the Father and the Son, and that on an equal basis. He receives the worship due the Father and the Son. And does divine works, including inspiring scripture, regenerating hearts, and creating, sustaining, and giving life to all things. He is said to be eternal, and only God is eternal. 
He's omniscient, which is the fancy way of saying the Holy Spirit knows all things. And is actually referred to as God. And you've seen one of those scripture references already in the book of Acts where a couple thought they could lie to him about their giving. And they paid the price of their lives. That is the Holy Spirit. He is God. He's eternal. He is limitless. And he takes center stage in the book of Acts. So as you read the book of Acts, to understand what you're reading and what is unfolding there, you need to know about the Holy Spirit. Now in the Old Testament, God would only send his spirit on chosen people. People he had to be either his mouthpiece or his leader for the Jewish nation. That means the everyday man and woman of the Jewish faith did not have the presence of God in them to enlighten their heart and their mind. God had, he would choose a servant to represent him. That's why when King David was a boy, he was anointed by Samuel the prophet. And when in that anointing, God placed his Holy Spirit in King David. And as David became king, he was dependent upon God's spirit in him to give him direction and wisdom and insight. That's why when David sinned, when he took another man's wife for his own and had that man killed, and when he was confronted, we get Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, we have David's confession of his sin. And in that psalm, he says, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Because in the Old Testament, the presence of God's Spirit was conditional on the faithfulness of that particular servant. If David rebelled and denied God, the Spirit of God would leave him, as it did Saul who was king before him. So David cried out for mercy, confessed his sin, and God chose to have his spirit remain in him. That is how life went with God in the Old Testament. When there was no longer a king to lead the people, God would raise up prophets and he would place his spirit in those prophets to speak the word of God. But the people would not listen. They were darkened in their understanding. They were darkened in their thinking and in their minds. They had no presence of God within them. So the prophets would use signs. They would demonstrate, hey, I'm from God, and here a sign will be given to you, and kawoom, a sign, to help the people see. And that continued even through Jesus' ministry. That's why he said in John 14, 16, he said he, he was telling about that he would be soon going to the Father, but the Father would send another counselor to be with you. That word, another, is the word of the same kind. Jesus was saying, there will be another of the same kind as me who will be with you. That's why 
our solution, that God's solution to our problem is that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He helps us in our weakness. That is God's solution, that he has done something new in the book of Acts. He helps us in our weakness, and the gift of the Holy Spirit is a revolution. Because in Acts 1-8, when Jesus provides his final words on earth to his disciples, he says this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they were, in Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jesus told them that they would receive the Spirit. And then he ascended to heaven. And they were left going, what does that mean? And that's Acts 1. Acts 2. The Spirit of God pours out on his disciples and his followers there in Jerusalem. And there's an evidence of the gift of the Spirit that is a sign to them that this is from God. A sign to those around them who did not have the Spirit because they didn't have a faith in Christ. That this was from God. He was doing something new, a revolution. Now there's three groups of people in the book of Acts that we read about. The first group are the Jewish people that were in the city of Jerusalem. Then there's a next group of people that lived in Judea and Samaria. These were people, especially in Samaria, who were considered by the Jews to be outside of fellowship with God. The Jews looked down on Samaritans as lesser people. And as the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, Those who did not understand what was happening persecuted those people and they fled the city and they ran into areas of Judea and Samaria. But something changed in them. Something was different about them. The Spirit of God was in them and they were compelled to preach Christ even to Samaritan people. And so what happens is, is Samaritans come to faith in Christ, but to demonstrate that this was from God, the apostles, Peter, James, and John, they traveled from Jerusalem where they stayed, and they came up to the region of Judea and Samaria. And as soon as these new authorities of the church, the apostles, as soon as they witnessed these people have faith in Christ, God released His Spirit. To show the apostles, this is from me. The gospel goes to this group. You are no longer different. You're the same. That's Acts 8. Acts 10, a third group of people, Gentile people, you and me kind of people. Again, the same thing happens except God sends Peter himself, an apostle of the church, to go and preach the gospel God had to use visions and dreams in Peter's life to convince him that, yes, even Gentiles can be saved by Christ. He goes and he preaches the gospel, and boom, the same sign of the release of the Holy Spirit happens for the Gentiles as it happened for the Samaritans, as it happened for the Jews themselves. 
after that moment, we do not see a delay in the receiving of the Holy Spirit. That upon any profession of faith in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit in that moment. So when you think about the cross and you think about what Jesus did for you, it must be by faith that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross and He rose from the dead. And in Him, there's not only forgiveness from the Father and rescue from the Son, but there is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And this was a revolution because something else was different. The the residing of God's Spirit in, in them and in us was no longer conditional. It would be permanent in an act of mercy and grace that no longer depended on your effort to keep the Spirit. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 1. Just write that down. Ephesians 1, and I'm going to read verse 13 with you. Because this passage teaches us the truth that the presence of the Spirit is not something that's conditional. Ephesians 1.13 says, You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. This is what is called the new covenant with God. That He Himself would dwell within us until the day of our redemption. The Spirit is our help in our weakness. And the work of the Spirit is a renovation. The people who received God's Spirit received a transformed purpose for living. That as they were persecuted for their faith, they did not cease in preaching Christ. They didn't stop. Even though their lives were in danger, they were compelled because something had transformed their life. It was a work of renovation. We see this in the life of Saul, who is also known as Paul. In Acts chapter 8, Saul was the enemy of the church. He was the chief persecutor of all Christians. And in Acts 9, as you read, God changed his life as he met Christ face to face. After that moment, he was renovated by the Spirit and began to be the chief apostle to the Gentiles. That's where we find him in Acts 16. But before we get there, I just want to explain the Spirit truly helps us in our weakness in all aspects of our inner life. His work really begins in our heart and in our mind. In Romans 8, if you want to write Romans 8 down, that is the key chapter in the New Testament on understanding the Holy Spirit. And in Romans 8, verse 26, there's a verse that has been my go-to. It says, verse 26, it's on the screen, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. See, I got it from the Bible. 
We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Have you ever felt stuck with prayer? Like you don't know what to pray for because you kind of feel selfish to ask for the things you really want. But you're like, that doesn't seem right. I don't want to come to God with a wish list. And sometimes we feel numb to God. And we wrestle with, well, what's the point? My circumstances don't seem to change. My marriage doesn't seem to change. Your husband's not getting any smarter. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. People, He prays for us. We do not even know how to pray. We can't even get that right. Yet He's at work in us helping us even in our prayer. This is the spirit that has been poured out in us. This is the spirit that has been poured out in the book of Acts. So let's look at his work in Acts 16. Would you go there with me if you're not yet there? We see God's solution at work. Acts 16, Paul and a man named Silas are in Philippi. Philippi is in a region that we would now call Greece. They're there proclaiming Christ. And, and they go to a place of prayer. And while they're there, there's this servant girl, a slave girl, who has a demon in her, who is a distraction. And day after day, she's being used by her slave owners for profit because she can foretell the future. And so Paul, being greatly annoyed, chapter 16 says... He cast the demon out of her and instantly the moneymaker for those men was gone. And they were livid. So they stir up the crowd. And this is where we join in the story. In Acts 16, verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, They were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Philippi was a Roman colony. That means it was under Roman rule. That means that when they did punishment, it went according to Roman law. We have seen in the scriptures in the book of Mark, a man take a Roman beating. And that was Jesus. And here's Paul and Silas. Did you know that as Roman citizens, they had no right to be beaten that way? Did you know they chose not to reveal their Roman citizenship and suffered anyway? And they got beat down. Emotionally, we would say, They were distressed. And they were whipped. That is not a zippity-doo-dah kind of moment. It's a moment of real brokenness. 
It's a moment of real darkness. But what struck me as my key verse was verse 25. Read it. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. That's not quite what I would have expected. But see, something had changed in these men. And this was not their first rodeo when it came to suffering. As they have gone through cities earlier and even after, they got beaten, they got run out of town, they got rocks thrown at them, and they yet they something within them helped them endure. And the Spirit helped them in their weakness, giving them everything they needed time after time after time. And you know what happened is, is as they had each moment of terror and they trusted God and remained anchored in their devotion to Him, it built a firmer and firmer and firmer resolve to be men of faith that they would even look in the face of persecution and not even play the card that they could get out of jail free. They knew the solution to the problem is the Holy Spirit helps in our weakness. But there's a response that we must do because we live in this broken state where we have as believers in Christ the presence of God within us, but we also have a broken heart. And we are so easily swayed and pulled And this demands our response. And our response is this, is that today's devotion trains your heart for tomorrow's trial. Today's devotion trains and prepares your heart for whatever may come tomorrow. You'll keep reading the book of Acts and you'll keep seeing Paul coming up time after time to more and more stuff. And if you are doing okay today, trust me, there's tomorrow. But what you do today and whatever your circumstance is today, to remain anchored in the devotion of the word and prayer and worship gives you a strength to endure and to face whatever may come. Like King David, honest with how he felt, yet resolved in his faith and writing it out in worship. God, where are you? I can't find you. Do you hear me? Do you see me? Yet I will praise your name for I believe you are my rock and my refuge and my stronghold. There's that resolve that comes from the Spirit. There is a reward waiting for us as we respond to the Spirit's help in our lives and we remain devoted today 
And it's a reward that comes from God. God is not, did not simply give us the Holy Spirit so that we would be able to get through life. Jesus said, you'll receive power to be my witnesses, to advance the kingdom of Christ on the earth. There is a mission that we're a part of. There's something that we are to advance and it's called the kingdom of God. And the way that you respond today, God uses to advance his kingdom. And that is our reward. If we finish the rest of the story in Acts 16, I'll summarize it. The jailer who put them in the innermost cell in the stocks, there is a tremendous earthquake and Paul and Silas's chains are broken and they had every reason to scramble to do the prison break. Yet they stayed. The jailer, fearful for his life, he asked them, men, what must I do to be saved? And they preached Christ. And he and his household were saved and immediately baptized. They didn't even wait until next weekend. They were baptized immediately and a renovation work began in them. And the kingdom of God was advanced by a man of power and position and authority in a Roman city where the gospel had not yet gone. It was their devotion rewarded by God to advance his kingdom. I know that there are some of you who do not feel good right now. You do not even feel like you even want to be in this room because the chiefs are on. But despite what you may feel, for those of you who know and believe in Jesus Christ, His Spirit is at work in you. Philippians 2.13 tells us this, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to act according to His good purpose. It's God who is at work in you, both to will, that's your emotions and your desires, and and that desire in you to live a life of godliness, to make a difference. That is the presence of the Spirit of God at work in you. But he doesn't end there. He is at work in your ability to act. To endure. To remain steadfast in your devotion for his good and chosen purpose. We are not alone. When I was doing the journal and I was in Acts 14... It says what, the, what the, the apostles were doing, they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. People, when I read that, I thought, man, what should I be doing? Encouraging and strengthening the souls of the disciples to endure. We will face hard, difficult times. And we must, before entering the kingdom of God, Because as we do that, he advances his kingdom through us. 
I'm so thankful that God has chosen me and you to be his witnesses. In all of our lives, in every season, he is still God. He is the reason we sing. He is the reason we worship. All of our life, in every season, he is still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. No matter how I feel. Would you pray with me? Father, we turn our hearts to you and we thank you that within us as believers in Christ, not only do we have rescue from sin and a hope for eternity, but we have help for today. Lord, you know the condition of people's lives in this room. So Lord, we want to take a moment and meditate on worshiping you. Lord, would you, would you speak to our hearts? Would you remind us if we've been questioning and doubting your role in our lives, would you remind us gently that you are here? Lord, we love you. And we turn our hearts to worship you now.